0: Welcome to the Access Church Podcast. Taking it by force, amen. So speaking of taking it by force, we continue with our sermon series, Take It By Force. And today I will be talking about the word engrafted. Please, somebody say engrafted with me. Come on, somebody say engrafted with me. So this morning, uh, before, I know you're all settled down and you're sitting down, but do me a favor. Please stand up briefly. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer. I like to uh, honor the Lord when we go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for today's message. Father, thank you for uh, allowing us and honoring us as a vessel of your word. Father, I thank you that your Holy Spirit has anointed my lips and my mind and has anointed me, Father, to be the messenger, the proclaimer of this word. And so this morning as we get into the word, I pray that you prepare our minds and our hearts, that you prepare, Father, the land, the ground, so that the seed Will transform it in Jesus' mighty name, and we will see fruit amongst us. In the name of Jesus, and the body of Christ says, Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Amen. Amen. You know, when I was around 12 years old, we moved to a new house. Uh, I lived, I come out of the Rio Grande Valley, uh, Puro 956, este, you know, Amatacuache, you know, okay uh I, you know so put on no get my car i don't have the haircut don't ask me to do that haircut i'm not gonna do you know a car haircut no 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 that's of the devil that haircut is no este i'm just kidding i'm just kidding if your cause around here i apologize amen so anyways but este uh you know i, I said lord i thought we you were upgrading us to better things but now we're going back to mullets and cuz and and all that stuff. But I'm from Harlingen and I remember that when we were growing up, the Lord gave my father and mother their first house and we were excited because, you know, when I was 12 years old, we moved to that new house. Um, My dad loved gardening. He loved planting stuff, fruits and vegetables and herbs and I know from the Valley, but not that kind of herbs. There were oregano and cilantro and, you know, that type of herbs, amen. And so everybody's like, "Oh, from the valley!" Top what type of herbs was it? Good herbs, okay. And so he planted oregano, cilantro, chiles, cebolla. You know, you know the good Mexican stuff to make good salsas. And then of course cucumbers and all that stuff. And. He loved gardening in the back, and and so I remember we got this the plow and we we plowed, uh, you know, and and so he planted all this stuff. And we had a bana- banana trees on the side. There were the little cute little bananas that were real sweet. But way in the back in the corner, we had an orange tree, and when, so we went and we were waiting. So you know, the time came when those that tree gave some oranges, and I still remember the day. So when the tree produced its oranges that year, we cut them off and we plucked them and, and we went inside. And I remember my dad got a little bored and started cutting them up and gajitos, you know, the little pieces, and, and we got it and, and I and we took our first bite and ugh, it was bitter. It was sour. And I were like, oh, these are sour, my dad said. Oh, es un naranjo agrio. it's a sour, it's a bitter orange. So we're about to throw them away. And he said, no, 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 leave them there because I'm going to use them for marinating meat anyways. But I remember that that uh, next Saturday, the following Saturday, we went on our way to our local uh, trader's village, you know, that in uh, in the original Greek is La Pulga, you know, <laughs> like pastor says and so we went to La Pulga right we went to La Pulga and we get there and, and he started looking for plants and I go oh he's looking for a plant for my mom because that was his love language that was her love language he wouldn't give her roses he wouldn't give her flowers he would give her plants and so <clears throat> I would always say man how come my dad never gives her you know flowers he always gives her plants but that's what she liked and that's how he honored her so every time a little plant came home i knew you know something was gonna happen amen and so he got little plants amen so now i'm i've been buying plants for my wife and so she likes little plants and let me tell you something uh as she's been growing little plants i go you know i still get her flowers but i got her plants and i got into my father's tradition of getting her little plants and so uh, even when we get home, the other day we were getting home and she was going up the, the deck steps in our, in, in, in our home. And as she's going, she has these little plants in our in our front door and she's got this little plant. And I remember, you know, I was gar- you know carrying grocery bags. How many of you, you know, carry grocery bags when you go in and you try to take them all? So I was carrying about 30 grocery bags because we don't want to go back to the car. It's falling all over the place, but we don't want to go back to the car. So I invite you all with a grocery, you know, and, and I'm looking down, trying not to fall, and I hear, oh, you're so beautiful, you're so gorgeous, you're you're getting bigger and bigger and stronger, and you're amazing, and you're the best, and you're gonna grow stronger. Yo, yo, oh. And I go, Thank you, baby, thank you. Nada, le estaba hablando al mugre cilantro that she had planted in the front. She planted a little cilantro like that. Not that it was for me. She was talking to the cilantro. And I go, What are you doing? She says, I'm speaking to my cilantro. And I said. Well, that's, nothing's going to happen he said yeah you speak to them and they'll hear you and they'll grow and sure enough that little cilantrito is starting to get better and I said well you need to start speaking into my life more so I get better you know anyway but my dad planted that tree and I remember it was bitter and so we get to the village market to La Pulga and he comes home with this little you know plant like that with his little branch and I was like okay it was just leaves and I said what's that you know what does he want that branch for so he proceeded to cut the tree in the middle between two branches and i remember he cut that other branch sideways and he made this whole you know little stuff and then put it in there and then he put some some stuff in it some i don't know some juice i don't know what it was he put in it and then you know we have put it like that then it it came on you know came stronger like that and when he did that, I remember that he wrapped it with his rag real tight, and then he put uh, duct tape, and then he put wire, and I go, what is this thing he's doing? But he left it like that. A year later, orange just came back. And I remember we plugged them again, and he started cutting them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and one of them tasted sweet and sour. It was sweeter than the rest. And my dad says, okay. Next year came. There was two or three that were sweeter. To make a long story short, on our fourth year, I remember we started plucking oranges and he started cutting them. And I remember I bit into one of them and they were the sweetest tasting oranges I had ever tasted. And I was like, wow, what happened to that bitter tree? And then he explained to me about the engrafting process. He says, you see, what I did is I bought a sweet orange tree, and I engrafted it into this sour orange tree so it could change its nature. And today I'm going to talk about the Word of God, and I'm going to talk about how the Word of God has been engrafted in us to change our nature nature. I'm going to talk about how you have been engrafted into places that are supposed to be bitter and sour and ugly so you can change its nature. I'm going to talk about how Access Church has been engrafted into this community, into this region so it could change its nature. Is somebody getting ready to get into work with me today to be engrafted in it? Amen? So today I want to use This story of my father to enlighten our thinking by metaphorically illustrating how we can take it by force. Remember in my past sermons, I said and I mentioned that the word take it by force wasn't a violent act of of plucking out. It was an act of pressing in. That's when you mold it yourself into something you pressed in. Remember, I told you about how many of you remember the memory foam where you put your hand, and it what it keeps the shape of your hand. That's what taking it by force meant, pressing in so that whatever's around you changes to how, or conforms to who you are. And so that's what the Word of God has done. It has come into our lives so it can transform us into it. And this message is centrally based in the book of James. And we're going to go to chapter 1 and verses 21 through 25, in which we read concerning the word engrafted. We will be using the King James Bible because in the other versions, we will see that this word engrafted is used as implanted or it's an implant. How many of you know that an implant is temporary? When something is implanted, it'll only last until it's good and functional. But once it loses its power, it's gone. And so, but when something is engrafted, that means that the two natures become one, but the stronger nature takes over the other nature. As in it did with the sweet oranges over the sour oranges in my dad's orange tree. So let's read the word of God in the name of Jesus out of the book of uh, James 1, 21, 25. Word for lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word. Come on, somebody say, engrafted word. Come on, say it again stronger, engrafted word. I want your ears to hear you say that, which is able to save our souls. It's able to save our souls. But ye be doers of the word, and not only hearers, Deceiving your own selves, for if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in glass. And so the word of God says in verse 24 then, or 23, it says, For if any be of the word and not a doer, like he he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in glass. Verse 24, For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth, which is the word of God, and continueth therein, he is being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. In other words, let me put it to you in our language and terms nowadays. That whole scripture is basically saying, if you're going to talk the talk, you better walk the walk. If you're going to talk the talk, you better walk the walk. In other words, if you're gonna say you're a Christian, you better show fruits of being a Christian, not talk being a Christian. You know, I've heard a lot of people say, Jesus is my healer. But as soon as they get a headache, as soon as they get sick, as soon as they get a a real bad headache or migraine, it's a tumor. It's a tumor. You know, as soon as they get, how many of you have ever gotten that little pain in your chest? You know, and you go, "I I can't breathe. You know. I can't breathe. Es un ataque. It's an attack. You know, your feet are swollen because you were out there gardening all day long. Es diabetes. It's diabetes. You know, or you start coughing and getting all these symptoms. Es COVID. Bueno, COVID. COVID in English. COVID. You know, it's el COVID. And, and you start panicking. So a lot of times our talk does not match our walk. And so when the Word of God is engrafted into you, then it changes that. So we're not just talkers, but we are doers. In other words, we live on a daily basis doing the Word, not just talking the Word. When, when, I say, uh, when I say there's healing in my life and God is my healer, I'm not saying that he'll heal me whenever I get sick. I say that he already healed me even before I got sick so that whenever sickness comes, I can come against it in Jesus' mighty name. Come on. When I say he is my provider, come on, somebody say provider, and there's minus $200, $200 in the bank, then what are you gonna do? Yo no sé cómo voy a. Pagar. How am I gonna pay my bills? I remember my mom when I was, you know, my dad had passed away. She was a bit a widow, and she would tell me, "Call me, mijo. And I said, "What, mom? No sé cómo voy a pagar los bills. I don't know how I'm gonna pay the bills next month, mijo. I said, "How did you pay them last month? Well, oh, God." And I said, "Well, he'll he'll be the same thing this coming month. You know, or are you asking me for money? You know." And, and a lot of times she, and I would, you know, I would give her whatever I could, but I told her, I said, just the way God took care of you last month, he'll take care of you the next month. Amen. Come on. We got to be what? Doers of the word. And that will happen when you engraft the word of God into you. So let's look at several observations. Uh, and as we look at them, uh, we can talk about how the word of God, you know, from this passage, is changing us and the first pertains to what the word of God is able to do in our lives and I want to look at this first observation it's three points and then I'm going to go to a second observation and it's another three points and I want us to look at this where how the word of God is able to do in our lives by being engrafted into us the very first observation I want to talk about is that the power of the word of God in us the power of the word of God in us somebody say power power i mean why do you make us repeat so many things master because when you hear the word the word will stick to you if you're a teacher you know what i'm talking about right repeat repeat my wife's a teacher repeat 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 that's like i said they get it, tell it you're gonna get it and eventually you're gonna believe it and you're gonna speak it so much that you're gonna have it in here i'm gonna do something look don't stop believing. Okay, guess what's gonna happen when you get out of this building? Guess what's happening right now? Da 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 da. da. Don't stop. And you're gonna get now now. That song is not gonna leave you because I implanted into your mind now. And now you you're not gonna be you're not gonna be okay till you go home and turn it on and listen to it. Okay? For those mexicanos, tragos. No, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Esa sí se la saben, right? You know that one. <laughs> So the power of the word of God, the power of the word in us is great. So notice the words of James himself, where he said, which is able to save our soul. Now, for those of you who don't know, the soul is made up of the mind, the emotions, and the will. The mind, the emotions, and the will. In other words, your soul is how you think. How you react to that thinking and how you manifest that thinking. And the book of Proverbs tells us that as a man thinks in his heart and his soul, so he or she is. So your soul is a vital part of the Word of God being engrafted in you. Why? Because in your spirit, you already look like God. I know that a lot of people have told me, you know, I'm fasting more, Pastor, and I'm praying more because I want to be more like God well, you already like God because when you came into a relationship with Him in your spirit, you already look exactly like that. Come on, th- th- let me repeat that again. In your spirit, say, my spirit, I already look like Him. I just need to work in my soul, in my flesh because in my soul, uh, you know, you can tell when somebody runs a stop line, uh, a stoplight, I've heard. I mean, come on. You know what you're thinking. You don't say, "Oh, God bless you. Thank you for stopping. Thank you not. Thank you for not stopping, sir." Come on, Karens. I'm sorry, 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 sorry. Right, that's a TikTok thing. I'm sorry. I, I watch TikTok. You know. You know. God forgive. You know. We need to change that. In Spanish, it's Marias. Don't be a Maria. We had a neighbor that was a Maria. Oh my God. And so. You don't say that. What do you do? What normally comes out, because the Word of God says, out of the abundance of the heart. Where's the heart? Point right here. Not right here. This is not your heart. Your heart is right here, biblically speaking. Out of the abundance of, as a man thinks in his heart, so he, so out of the abundance of the, speaks the what? The mouth. In other words, what you fill this with, your soul with, is what your soul is going to speak. So your spirit is good. Your spirit thinks like God, speaks like God, walks like God, looks like God, because it's a spirit. Come on, somebody show me a spirit. You can't see it because it's a spirit. But what you need to work on and where the word needs to be engrafted in us is in our soul and our bodies. And so, as we're studying this and as we're studying how it transforms our soul to, you know, to see how it does it, let's consider some scriptures and some points. So when the Word of God comes into your life and comes into our life, its power to save is found in three abilities. It has a lot of abilities, but to me, these are the main things the word of God does in us and you probably have heard some of this but I want to repeat it and I want to remind you of who you are because once we're reminded of who we are then the word becomes engrafted into us remember the story again of my dad's orange tree it's a process come on somebody say process Jesus how many years did Jesus walk with his disciples three and a half years it was a process come on say process my dad's bitter orange tree did not become sweet the next season it took four seasons before we started tasting sweet oranges it's a process so one of the very first things the word does is it starts by making things new how many of you have ever bought a brand new car and you open the door to that car and as soon as you open the door to the car what does it smell like New car. A hey, new car. Yeah, new car. I mean, as soon as you open the door to that car, we bought a brand new car. Oh. I mean, if you grew up in the 70s and 80s like me, then it smelled like vinyl. But if, you, but nowadays, they even have, you know, leather, nice leather cars, leather seats, yes or no. You open it, and, well, the leather. How many of you have ever bought new leather shoes or leather boots? I thought, it smells good. It smells like leather. How many of you have ever made copies with a copying machine? Smells good. You know, our pastor wears this amazing cologne, and I'm always trying to find out, hey, tell me what cologne you smell, because he smells good every time. I. He smells good. He smells real good. You know, my kid he doesn't want to tell me, but I got connections. I will find out. He just doesn't want me to smell like him, because I'll have his anointing. So... You know, just kidding, just kidding. But, you know, I have to get my own colognes, but, you know. mm, mm, mm. Anyway, so here's the deal. God makes all things new through his word in us. Suddenly what was old is new. So when you buy that brand new car, you smell it, and it smells amazing. But somebody came up with a great idea of putting this new car smell into this little jar or this little Christmas tree. So you go buy a used car, and you want to make the car smell like it's new, although it's used, by putting this little can of new car smell or new car smell Christmas tree. But the car's not new. See, you can try to patch it up and make it look new and smell new. And see, and you open the door and you go, pero todavía huele a the old guy who was in there. It still smells like, you know, things happen on that seat. It ugly. You open the door and it still smells like the dogs they used to carry in the car, like the cigarette they used to smell. It still smells like used car, why? Because it's a used car. Even though you try to cover it up with a brand new car smell, it doesn't change the fact that it's used. But when the word of God was engrafted into me, it turned me into a new creation that the word of God suddenly made me smell new. I don't look patched up, I don't smell patched up, I don't smell like I came from hell. I don't smell like I came from the world. Whenever I walk around, now people smell me with new soul smell. Oh, come on. He causes us to be born again. Come on, somebody say born again. How many of you remember Nicodemus? Nicodemus. Nicodemus came at night to visit Jesus one day. He was a Pharisee. And they were not allowed to visit Jesus because Jesus was radical for their way of teaching at the time. He was different. Jesus was from Max's church. He was different. You know, it's like, Let's different. different. don't go there. They're weird. They're different. The pastor doesn't even wear a tie. They wear torn jeans. They're different. So but nicodemus showed up at night and so when he shows up at night he tells jesus we know you come from the lord because of the signs and wonders you perform d it's not being different that causes people to be attracted to you it's not being different that's going to cause people to come to this church it's the signs and wonders in this place that's going to cause people to come to this church It's the miracles of transformation that's going to cause people to come into this church. It's some parents bringing their young people to one service, to a young adult service, to a youth service. And suddenly they've been trying for years, but they changed all of a sudden. It's you coming sick with a disease that you couldn't get cured of. And suddenly you left totally healed from this place. Come on, we know that you come from God, not because you dress different, not because you look different, but because of the signs and wonders. How many of you believe that for our church? And he tells Nicodemus, Nicodemus, I know what you want. You want to be like me. But in order to be this way, you have to be born again. He goes, what do you mean? I have to go into my mother's womb and be... He said, no, it's metaphorically speaking and saying that literally you have to be born again. In other words, you were born into a religious system. When you grew up, you grew up in a religious system. Maybe you were not born into a religious system you're sitting here today, but maybe you're born into a system where everybody's supposed to die of cancer or sugar diabetes in your house. Maybe you were born into a system of drunks. Maybe you were born into a system of drug addicts. Or maybe you were born into a system of failure. Nobody graduated. Of divorce. I don't know what system you were born in. Or maybe you were born into money, but that money has ruined your life rather than blessed it because it didn't have the kingdom in it. I don't know what you were born into, but what Jesus was trying to tell Nicodemus is, you must be born again. In other words, you must go back as if you were being born out of your mother's womb and start from the very beginning because God makes all things new. Therefore, if you are in Christ, you are a new creature. In other words, whatever happened in the past stays in the past. You start brand new. You have the new soul smell. And Jesus said, but the second part, he says, if you, you want to see the kingdom, you must be born again. But if you want to enter the kingdom, you must be born of water and of spirit. And I remember I asked the Lord that because at one time I thought that I was talking about getting baptized in water and getting filled with the Holy Spirit. And the Lord says, no, I want you to go back and I want you to see another picture. He took me to the book of Genesis. And in the book of Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2, the word of God says that the, that the earth was what? In chaos, out of order, and empty, yes or no? It was messed up, yes or no? How many people do you know like that? It says, but the Spirit of the Lord hovered over the face of the water. So what Jesus was trying to tell Nicodemus, if you want to enter the kingdom, you got to go back to the beginning when God spoke the word fresh for the first time over the messed up earth. Come on. He was saying, if you want to walk in this kingdom way, if you want to walk in miracles, signs, wonders, if you want to walk in a new life, you got to go back to when God said, let there be light. I love that. Did you get that? you got to go back to the very first word that came out of God that changed this planet Earth. you got to get that word engrafted into you. And suddenly, God did that in verse 1, verse 2 of chapter 1 of the book of Genesis. And God spoke, and he saw that it was good. And God spoke, and he saw that it was Good. And God spoke, and he saw that it was. Because when God spoke, spoke, or when God speaks, everything looks good. Everything smells. Everything tastes. The Word of God says, taste and see. Woo. Everything feels good. Because everything is made new through the Word of God in you. Because this is what the word of God says. Come on. Everybody's looking for answers out there. They've been looking. I'm, I'm, I'm changing. I'm changing. here the word a little bit, a little bit. but I need you to hear this. Everybody out there is looking for an answer all the time. Everybody has been looking for an answer all the time. They've been looking for the answer to life. They've been looking for the answer to success. They've been looking for every answer. They've been looking for the answer to restore marriages. Dr. Phil hasn't fixed it. Maury didn't fix it. Come on. None of those people ever fixed it. Oprah certainly hasn't fixed it. Everybody's been looking for answers and nobody has fixed it. But if you go to the mighty word of God, there's always a fix for everything in there. Oh, my house is messed up. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Oh, I, either sickness in my family, but by your stripes I have been healed. Come on, my, come on. My children are rebellious, but the prodigal son came back. Come on. The word of God is the answer because it makes all things new. The second thing the word of God does, it exsantifies. Somebody asked me earlier. Said, Pastor, why do you yell so much? Because you get excited when I yell. I have some. No, I have some African American church in me. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. I just love when God speaks. Somebody say, the Word of God has the power to sanctify. Somebody say, sanctify. What does sanctify mean, Pastor? Thank you for asking. The word sanctify means to set apart for a holy purpose. That means for a holy destiny. You've been asked, called out for a holy purpose. Every single one of us has a purpose in this place. If you want to find that purpose, you got to search in your spirit because God's purpose for you is there. And God's purpose is very, 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 very easy to find. You know, the Word of God says in Romans 8, uh, 26 or 27, it says, All things work together for good for those who love the Lord. But there's a second part to it that a lot of people don't mention there. To those walking according to His purpose. So your purpose in life is to walk in His purpose. If you want to know what your purpose is in life, is to walk in His purpose. And what's His Purpose that all things are made new. All things are set apart for who? For him, for his glory. Your success has to be his glory. Your healing is his glory. Your prosperity is his glory. If what you get doesn't give God glory, then it didn't come from him. It came from you. And if it came from you, it'll rot. If you healed yourself, you'll get sick again. If you make yourself rich, then you'll lose it. Well, what about Elon Musk and all that? They're not rich. Anytime they can, the board will kick them out and they'll be poor. There's always a way out. Caleb was of a different spirit. Somebody say, Caleb. Somebody point this way. Somebody say, Caleb. Yeah, Caleb. Even he said it. Somebody say, Caleb. And the Bible was of a different spirit. The Bible says that when they reached the promised land, nobody else entered Caleb. But Caleb went on with a spice and he saw something, he goes, Oh my God, there's giants. But guess what? There's also big fruit. The grapes are this big. They look like cantaloupes. The watermelons are huge. There's a lot of fruit. Everything matches the giants. Do you know why the fruit was big? Because the giants were big. And guess who would eat the fruit? the giants but he says but God has not given us a spirit of fear but a power come on of come on of love and of a sound mind he's not giving me a spirit to be afraid of the giants I am gonna go defeat the giants so I can eat their fruit oh come on I don't want to eat the food of little people I want to eat the food of giants but in order to eat their food you have to kill them He was of a different spirit peter 1 16 says be holy as i am come on say it be holy as i am holy as i am set apart in his prayer jesus spoke of sanctifying influence of god's word in us john 17 15 through 17 says john 17 15 through 17 says i do not ask you god i do not ask you father to take them out of the world, but that you keep them and protect them from the evil one. I do not ask you to take them out of the world. I ask you to do what? Protect them from the evil one. And what he was saying is because they have the word of God, I'm not saying don't go to the quinceanera, don't go to the wedding. Oh, but they're going to be partying and drinking there. Jesus didn't say, Father, don't stop them from going to the quinceanera. In other words, let them go there, but protect them from what's going around there so so that they can be an influence on them and they can be engrafted and change what's going on around there. See, God didn't remove us from the world because if he did, then we couldn't change the world. He engrafted us with his word so that everywhere we went and everything was bitter and sour, we could change it. Somebody say, I am an instrument of change. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but that you keep them, protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, worldly, belonging to the world. Just as I am not of the world, of the system, of the culture. Sanctify them, purify them, consecrate them, separate them for yourself. Make them holy by the truth. And then he closes with this. Say this with me all together. Your word Is the truth and where's the word of God in me the word of God is in me thus the word of God can serve to set us apart for his purpose and so the third thing that I want to talk about uh, of the observations that I want to talk about before we go on to the next thing is that the word of God guides us come on somebody say guides us The Word of God says in Psalms 119, 105. It says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. I've shared this before with a congregation. I've shared this with you guys before. And I'll repeat it again. I'll share it again. That is the word. If you know about word of knowledge and word of wisdom, those are prophetic words. Word of knowledge is when God shows you something about the present of a person, the past and the present. And word of wisdom is when God shows you the future when you have the word of God in you then God shows you your present and your future your word is a light unto my feet my present in other words you give me revelation of where I'm supposed to be right now but you're also showing me the path to where I'm supposed to be headed oh I better get some amens with that come on if Once you have the Word of God, you don't need to be asking God, Oh Lord, send me a prophet so he can tell me where to go. No, the Word of God will show you where you need to stand on. The Word of God will show you where you need to be at. But it will also show you where you're going to end up at. Jesus got in a boat with his disciples and said, Let's go to the other side. And he gets in a boat with his disciples and he grabs a pillow. He got it from that man with that pillow, you know, the, uh, the pillow man. He called online, he orders it, and he lays down. He was sleeping. Chuyito was just like, he was sleeping. Suddenly the storm comes. See, because he knew who he was at that moment, and he knew that he was not supposed to die on the boat but die on the cross, he took a nap. When you know your purpose and your future, it doesn't matter what storm comes against you. You're going to sleep through the storm. You're not going to stop the storm. You're going to sleep through the storm because you know that your future is not to die on the boat. He knew that his future was to die on the cross so we could have salvation and victory. So he wasn't supposed to die on the boat. But because the disciples didn't get the revelation of who he was, then they didn't get the revelation of who they were. When you get a revelation of who you are through the word and through Christ, then you're present is secure so your future and your destiny has already a victory that even before you get to the other side if you have to you'll stop and, and stop the storm and jesus didn't have to stop the storm but he did it because of their panicking and then he gets after them you of little faith come on say your word is a lamp and a light the holy spirit was sent to us as a guide and one who will remind us of the word of jesus the way he taught it. When we take the time to consider the power of the word of God, it becomes evident that the word is very important to us as Christians. We need to have that word engrafted into us because as that word is engrafted into us, then it's going to start transforming us. It's going to become our guide. It's going to become our everyday living bread. That's why the word of God is what? The living bread. That's why it feeds you. It changes you. It transforms you. It gives you an identity. Come on, somebody say, it gives me an identity. The value of the engrafted word of God can be realized when certain conditions are met. And I'm going to close with these three conditions. And as a reminder of how we take it by force is that we have to press into it. Well, the word of God was sent to us. Come on, sent to us. So it would take it by force. In other words, it was deposited in us so it could transform us and take it by force. It took what was messed up by man and changed it. When Adam fell, Adam fell after he was formed from the ground, yes or no? Say, that's the flesh. But the Spirit of the Lord was infused in me come on somebody say infused the spirit of the lord was impregnated in me the spirit of the lord come on was engrafted in me so that gradually from within it started pushing out and pushing out and pushing out and pushing out out. so everything that look messed up and looked like a fallen man will eventually be taken out of our lives everything that doesn't look like god will be pushed out of us so as we get into this, we understand that the knowledge of the powerful Word of God does this. Once the Word of God is in us, then it gives you an identity. Somebody say identity. How many times have you walked around in life not knowing who you were, where you came from, what you did? You didn't know your value because all you heard was negative stuff all your life. You're not going to make it. It's not going to happen. You know, just recently I took an adventure. I started helping out a good friend of ours from here named Joe. He's a welder, and I started helping him, being his helper. You're you're helping a welder? Yes, I'm helping a welder. But you're a preacher. Who cares? I got to make money. I got to take care of my house. My wife doesn't like cheap plants. She likes expensive plants. So now I'm able to afford $5.99 plants. I used to get her $0.99 plants. Amen. But listen up. There's a lot of people that would say, oh, I don't know if he's going to make it. He's a pastor. Pastors are supposed to be weak. They're supposed to be preachers. I've been there three weeks and I've been having the time of my life. You know, I I got a messed up fingernail. I got bumps all over. I almost burned the place down. But guess what? I did it. Three weeks later, I'm great, and I feel good, and we've been flowing, and our production has doubled. Yes or no, Joe? Our produ- Well, everybody is building at nine pieces. We're building at 21 pieces. You know why? Because I showed up, and because guess what? I'm the living proof of God that it doesn't matter what age you are. It doesn't matter what strength you are. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and nothing's going to stop me. No pain, nothing's going to stop me. No sickness, nothing's going to stop me. Come on, because I have an identity in Christ that I can do all things through Him. And I have fun. And all we do is talk about the Word. And our time goes, Oh, it's already time to go. Wow. And everybody's over the oh, I can't wait for time to get to go home. We're like, man, we're already done. Because the Word becomes flesh. Come on, say the Word becomes flesh. Come on, say I am the word. Oof. John 14 says, and the word Christ, come on, say Christ became flesh. I want you to say this with me. Come on, look at the screen. And the word, come on, and the word became me. Me. Say me. The word, repeat it again. I want you to repeat this. The word became me. Where does Christ live in? Me. So the Word became me. I am the living, walking Word of God in this planet Earth. I, I do not know the Word. I, I, I do not speak the Word. I walk the Word. I am the living Word. I am the flesh of the Word. I am the personified, come on, testimony of the Word. When people see me walking by, they say, there goes the Word of God. Well, some of you don't want to believe it. But pastor, how can that be? I'm a sinner. Who isn't? And the word became flesh, human, incarnate, and tabernacled. In other words, it fixed his tent of flesh and lived amongst us. And we actually saw his glory, his honor, his majesty, such as the glory and only begotten son receives from his what? Father, come on, the inheritance, full of grace, favor, loving kindness, and truth. The spoken word is manifested in us, through us, through the Holy Spirit, because it gives us an identity. Now I don't only speak the word, I am the word. I don't only say I'm healed, I am health. I don't only say I'm blessed. I am the blessing. Come on. I am walking prosperity. Favor is upon me. I am the head and not the tail. I'm above and not below. I'm in the front of the line. Come on. Come on. God pulls me from the back of the line and puts me at the very front of the line. Why? Because I'm his son. I'm his daughter. Such glory as an only begotten son receives. We became an open epistle, a living testimony. Come on, say with me, I am a living testimony. This is how the Word of God becomes blessing us. The other thing the Word of God does besides giving us an identity, then it gives us an authority. Oh. If I don't have an identity, I can't have an authority. What gives a police officer an identity? His uniform. Come on, say his uniform. We're going to land this plane now. Come on, his badge, yes or no? When you see a badge and a uniform, and a police officer, you see what? His what? So when he does this, what do you do? See, in today's day and age, police officers have not lost their authority. People have lost respect for the authority. And you know why that has happened? Because we've failed at times as a church to bring identity to people of honor and respect. Violence of the lambs. Come on, nobody said amen now. Come on, it's time to get up and have an identity of power and authority that God has given us so that then people that are in eminence, people who are in authority can also be honored and respected. Do you know why there's so much violence on earth? Do you know why a lot of things are happening on earth? Because the church hasn't lifted up and manifested itself. The Word of God says that, come on, creation is awaiting for the manifestation of the children of God. In other words, it's saying, I'm waiting for you to get up and Be the active, living, walking Word of God in this planet. I'm waiting you to get up and do something. Earth is crying. It's creating earthquakes and volcanoes and eruptions. And things are happening all over the place. Because Earth is tired of waiting for you to do something as a child of God. You're more worried about the person who didn't say hi to you. You're more worried about that neighbor who asked to borrow $5 25 years ago and they still haven't paid you. You're more concerned about who hurt your feelings. Oh. Luke 9, 1 and 2 says, Then Jesus called together the 12 apostles and gave them power and authority over all demons. Come on, say over all demons. And to cure disease. And he sent them out to announce and preach the kingdom of God and to bring what healing. Listen to me. This is very important that you listen. Everybody listen. We're gonna finish up. He sent them out to what? Preach what? The kingdom. Come on, put it up there. To preach what? The kingdom of God. It didn't say he sent them out to preach the cross. Did it say that? He didn't say it didn't send them out to preach salvation. And I'll tell you why in a minute. He didn't say, he sent them out to preach all these things. He said, he sent them out to preach what? The kingdom, because when you preach the kingdom, then the kingdom is what happened after the cross, come on. When he sends out, when you are preaching the kingdom of God, automatically you'll preach the cross. You'll preach salvation. You'll preach transformation. You'll preach deliverance. You'll preach healing, because when the kingdom invades the other kingdom, then it transforms and changes the other kingdom. Such as a pastor preached last week about the man at gathering, where he showed up when Jesus showed up. Those two came running. He says, "What do you want with us?" Why? Because the kingdom showed up. The cross didn't show up the kingdom showed up somebody say the cross was the way to the kingdom but he says go preach the kingdom because the kingdom gives you what an authority i'm not saying not to preach what jesus did on the cross are you understanding me when he says go preach the kingdom he saying go be kings go be queens go be priests go be the kingdom of god Don't talk it, be it. Let me show you an example. Matthew 8 says, but the centurion replied to him. Remember, the centurion had a servant that was sick, right? How many of you remember that? The centurion had a servant that was sick. And he comes up to Jesus, my servant is sick. And Jesus said, well, let me go to your house and heal him. And he said, no, you don't have to. This is what he said. The centurion replied to him, Lord, I am not worthy or fit to have you come under my roof. But only speak the word and my servant boy will be cured. Do what? Speak the word. Because when the word becomes flesh, then the word can send out the word. How many of you have ever heard of a checkbook? Nowadays, everybody uses card. But back in the day when I was growing up, we had checkbooks. And I remember that we could not write a check unless what? We had money in the bank. And I remember when I was little one day. I took my dad's checkbook and I wrote a check and I went to the store and I went and bought a bike and I gave him the check and the bike was $150 because it was a mongoose BMX bike. If you know what that is, you're as old as I am. I end up in my mongoose and then suddenly my dad, hey, he got after my mom. You bought him that bike. We're short in the back. We're negative. We're in the red. What happened? And my mom said, I didn't buy it. And he asked me, how did you get that bike? And I said, I took him a check. And then he checked me. Real good. He deposited. All right. Me Somebody say with me, if there's no money in the bank, you can't write a check. If the word doesn't become flesh in you, you can't speak the word. You have no authority of the word. You have no identity of the word. Why? Somebody say with me that the word is good news. It is power. Romans 1.16 says, "For I am not ashamed of the gospel, the good news of Christ, for it is God's power working unto salvation for deliverance from eternal death to everyone who believes with a personal trust and a confident surrender and firm reliance to the Jew first and also to the Greek meaning to everybody. It's a testimony. We are a testimony." Come on, say, the good news has power. I can't share good news without being good news. There's a saying that a man once said, I forgot the name of this priest. I'll remember one day and I'll tell you. But just trust me, I read it. And I remember this priest and it just came to me right now that he said this, if you know who it is, then praise God. Let's just say JC saying it now. Preach the gospel. By all means, preach the gospel. But if you can, preach it without speaking. Preach the gospel. By all means, preach the gospel. But if you can, preach it without speaking. Once more, preach the gospel. Say it with me. Preach the gospel. But if at all possible, preach it without speaking. Preach it through your life. Let the Word of God become engrafted into us so that we have the identity of the Father, the inheritance of the Son, and the power of the Holy Spirit as we preach the Word and speak the Word of God. How many of you believe that today? Come on, please stand up with me. How many of you believe... That the power, the engrafted word of God is in us and living in us. Come on, how many of you believe that we're going to take this word and we're going to go and graft it into this region? Come on. We're going to go and graft it into our school system. We're going to go and graft it into our economy. We're going to go and graft it into people who are getting sick. Come on. We're going to go and graft this Word into all these places so that the Word of God will change and transform our communities. How many of you agree with that? Come on. If that's you, raise up your hands and say, Lord, send me. God bless you. I love you. Have a good day. Thank you for joining us. And a special thanks to those who have given to support this ministry. Without you, none of this is possible. If you like this podcast, please like and subscribe and share it on social media. Thank you for listening. God bless you.